This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Joining us on the line now for our regular fortnightly korero on the awesome morning show, Dunedin Mayor Aaron Hawkins. Morena, nice to have you with us on this beautiful Otipoti morning. Kia ora, good morning. A beautiful spring morning indeed, isn't it? Hey, almost makes you forget everything else that's going on around us. <laughs> well, if only. <laughs> so, so I hate to bring you down, but we will talk about something other than the weather. Um, how did you get to work yesterday? Uh, uh, I walked to work yesterday, as I, as I do most days, uh, after dropping my, my son off to school. Yeah, It was, of course, World Car Free Day, and uh, no, new, new, no news to anyone, of course, that uh, Mayor Aaron Hawkins uh, chooses uh, alternative forms of transport. Um, have, did you get a sense that there were many others uh, getting on Shanks' pony or otherwise? The YY Express. Yeah, every day is car-free day when you don't drive. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to know. I mean, obviously, we had events planned around it that didn't go ahead because of the the, the COVID restrictions, and I, I wasn't quite as committed as Greg McLeod was jogging to work in his suit, or at least for the stretch that Stephen Jackery was documenting his uh, trip for the newspaper this morning. Uh, it is it is really hard to know, and but it is you know it's a it's an opportunity that we have every year to to talk about and think about uh, how we might um, how we might travel around the place differently and and how we can uh, build a, a transport network that allows more people to to, to use those alternatives um, because for a number of people um, it's not possible and but for uh, a sizable group of people. Uh, it is, and, and having the chance to think about that uh, and, and, and nudge people in the direction of trying alternative modes of transport is, is always worthy. It's, it's not about guilting people or setting up expectations that everybody can do this because we know that uh, that's, uh, that's not a privilege that is afforded to anyone, but uh, we need to make it as easy as possible for as many people as possible to do that. Uh, for well, any number of reasons, not least of which uh, the fact that uh, the transport network is one of the best opportunities we have in uh, transitioning to a zero carbon economy. Well, let's hope there's a few making the choice to uh, walk or cycle to work this morning. This is the kind of morning you want to be able to do it, and that's for sure. Well, yeah, the, the weather played ball yesterday, which was helpful. Yeah. Now, Aaron, uh, since we last spoke, uh, we have seen the decision made by the Otago University Students Association to not reopen the Starters Bar. Um, they've cited uh, some reasons with the building. Uh, and, of course, it sent another ripple through the creative sector, uh, yet another performance venue to close. Um, and on this show, we've spoken and since then caught up with uh, David Bennett from Save Dunedin Live Music and he did report that um, the work was ongoing with the City Council and other representatives to work through some 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 planning, perhaps some solution creation for issues around this. I just wanted just to touch base with you again on this and uh, and check what your understanding of the progress in that area is. Yeah, sure. I mean, the the, the closure of, of Starters Bar is significant on a number of levels. Um, you know, from a social history point of view, it's the last of the great student watering holes. And when I moved here 20 years ago, it was, it was called the last molar, I think, then, but it had the Guardies and the Bowler and the Cook for company. And, uh, and, and so from a 
from that perspective, it is it is significant. Uh, we also know that uh, young people are always going to drink, and it is safer for them to do that in a supervised environment. And and having fewer opportunities to do that means that people are more likely to uh, drink in unsupervised environments, which uh, isn't always um, which isn't always good from a from a harm minimisation point of view. But as you say. Uh, the venue on and off, uh, as as you well know, uh, over the, over its lifespan has been a, a significant uh, stage uh, for for live music, and it certainly had been uh, in this most recent iteration. And so, uh, not having that as an option for uh, for both local bands and and uh, and, and touring bands is uh, is um, unhelpful to the cause. I mean, we don't have a we don't have a necessarily have a shortage of of venues in the city. What we have is a, a shortage of venues that people can play in for free. Uh, you know, the, there are spaces like the Glenroy and the Town Hall and the Regent and, and the Mayfair and others where, where people can perform. Uh, but given that live music is a marginal enterprise for many, uh, it excludes a lot of people locally and and, uh, and nationally from from using those because they're not at the scale that warrants those sorts of things. Uh, and so I think you know those are the the kinds of um, things that we need to be talking about. And it's it's great to hear that um, that David Bennett and and his group are, um, are having those conversations with staff. I would expect the the live music action plan that will come out of that uh, to uh, come back to us in time to be discussed as part of our uh, draft uh, budget. Um, which will kick off. I mean, it'll kick off in in December of this year because you know having a plan is meaningless if you're not going to resource it. And I think we need to be looking at how we do resource it and and, and whether that is um, making it easier for people to use the venues for hire that currently exist or um, helping with um, venues that may be operating less formally and, and, and if they want to be brought up to compliance standards, you know, there are ways that we can do that in the same way that we support uh, people trying to um, reuse and, and, and strengthen uh, heritage buildings. We see it as a public good uh, having those and I think you can't argue, it's hard to argue, I think, uh, that, that performing venues and, and live music venues aren't uh, at least um, uh, a public good. But the, the model that has existed for decades, which is effectively you know, pubs letting you use their space and and uh, and recouping through people buying drinks over the bar has become less and less viable, and and so the 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 market, if you like, uh, is going to be less and less likely to uh, to provide that, and and I think that's where uh, we need to step in, and and it's not just um, council, obviously, I mean, we need the support of our, of our institutional. Partners, whether that's Creative New Zealand or the New Zealand Music Commission, um, you know, Community Access Radio, the Student Radio Network, anybody who has an interest in supporting, uh, you know, the ecosystem, as it were, uh, to use the, the jargon, um, we, we need uh, all of those people on board to um, to help sustain the community, the creative community that we're fortunate enough to have here. So I have to ask repeatedly in the conversations around this including, of course, on all the online platforms, is what on earth is happening with Sammy's? What about Sammy's? What about Sammy's? What about Sammy's? What about Sammy's? It, it is yeah. repeatedly asked, and it is, I've never seen an answer as to what the plan is with Sammy's. Uh, well, at the moment, 
at the moment, to be honest, there isn't one. Uh, the the because we haven't resolved the question around. Uh, I mean, we have significant budget in the in our ten year plan to uh, to provide um, a, a performing arts venue, uh, and and that went out for feedback through the ten year plan. Our council didn't make a decision. It became quite obvious through that process that. Uh, there are two very different uh, sets of needs, uh, um, that of the, the music fraternity and that of the performing arts uh, fraternity, and, and trying to create a single option that satisfies both of those uh, is um, perhaps not impossible, but, um, but, but, in, but incredibly difficult. So uh, until, we, until we resolve that point... Um, you know, Sammy is, is a venue that the council owned. We bought it as a strategic hold in no small part to stop it from being demolished. It had no protection uh, from being demolished and turned into a, an at-grade car park at the time that we bought it, but also, um, you know, holding that uh, in, in terms of the, the wider discussion about what it is that we need uh, in terms of venues, a network of venues of all different sizes uh, across the city. And, and I understand that that's, um, it's not satisfying to not be able to answer that question. It is entirely understandable. Well, it's been a Other long time now, hasn't it? It's been quite a number of years. <laughs> yeah, it has. It has been. Yeah, um, and, 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 and there's, no, there's no arguing of that either, but it is a... Uh, to bring to bring that building up to uh, up to a standard where it is to be where it would be able to be used safely for that purpose would be a significant investment, uh, and and so we need uh, we need to consider that uh, in the round uh, alongside you know, all of the other things that we need to provide uh, for our uh, for our performing arts community. But those are you know those are um, ongoing. Discussions and and I would like to see them resolved sooner rather than later. Um, but that's where we are. That's where we're at currently. We've seen almost seven hundred sixty-four thousand spent from the Dunedin Heritage Fund on a number of other projects. Um, the indication is that that there would be significantly more than that, or anything like that, required to bring Sammy's up to spec. Oh yes, uh, oh, 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 but with a heritage fund of a of a nature to be able to bring it up. No, I mean it, it's it's a it's a multi multi million dollar project. Uh, Sammy's, uh, it, it, you know, significant to the point where uh, we would be required to seek public feedback on any proposal that we have for it because uh, it is um, you know it is of that magnitude. Uh, the, the heritage fund exists to provide. Um, Grants to uh, to private building owners, but whether it's commercial buildings or or private residences, or indeed uh, heritage items uh, to support the the preservation and, and restoration of of those things, and um, it's a, a drop in the bucket of what the the cost of most of those projects is, but as a as a way of uh, the city supporting uh, those uh, those endeavours, uh, it's certainly something that is increasingly a, a matter of civic pride and quite rightly the, the restoration and, and adaptive reuse of our built heritage Alright um, Dunedin needs a new rubbish dump and now residents are going to get their say on the proposed site, the DCC is proposing a new landfill at Smooth Hill that's about 28k southwest of the city near Brighton 
to replace the uh, the current uh, dump at Green Island, which is nearing the end of its life. Uh, there's been a bit of history of opposition to that. Now people uh, will get their say. Can you just tell us the, about the process here? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, firstly, the, the Smooth Hill site is as close to Brighton, roughly, as the current Green Island uh, landfill site is. Um, and, and and we had uh, applied for it to be what they call... Um, considered by what they call limited notification, which effectively means um, neighbours and affected parties uh, would uh, would be able to uh, make submissions on that. The, the, the processing uh, planners uh, have, have decided that it would be publicly notified, so um, anybody can, uh, it's open to anyone to, to make uh, submissions uh, to the RMA. I mean, the Resource Management Act is a particularly prescriptive process in terms of uh, what what it can and what can and can't be considered but it's it's always helpful to have um, feedback from what they call lay submitters i.e. not uh, not expert witnesses or lawyers or planners or engineers and, and those sorts of things but uh, the, the opportunity exists for for people to participate in that and then you know a decision will be Made and then people will be able to make appeals on that and and so on up the judicial chain until the matter is settled as with any uh, as with any resource consent application. So public submissions are open. They close. They close on November the fifteenth. You can get uh, access to the submissions process through the Dunedin City Council and the Otago Regional Council websites. Um, just finally, Aaron, um, what did you make of uh, the recent reports around increased bus usage in the city? Yeah, it's promising. Um, it, it's obviously not an ideal comparison this year and last year, um, which is what you would normally do, um, because we spent months um, telling people they weren't allowed to leave their house, um, which which is detrimental to bus patronage. But significantly higher numbers this year compared to 2019 when we um, uh, weren't uh, constrained uh, thanks to the public health environment and, and that is uh, really positive and, and I think uh, reflects the and we, and correlation isn't causation so we don't know that the, the $2 fares have driven that but we know anecdotally that uh, they've been well received, particularly by those on taking longer trips and therefore um, those who have benefited the most from the, from the flat fare structure. Uh, and similarly, uh, some of the changes that have been brought in in recent years through the last network review that the Regional Council did uh, have been positive. But, it's yeah, I think it's, it's heading in the right direction. We know that... Um, there's still room. Uh, there's still room to grow, and we could certainly make it more attractive. And that's why we're investing in infrastructure through the 10-year plan to allow for a more efficient uh, tra- transport in from, particularly from the south of the city. So, you know, if it, you can have express routes coming in from Mosgiel, and if you have a, a bus priority a lane uh, through uh, through the their approach to the city, then it means that people will be able to get here quicker because we know that price isn't the only thing um, you know, that drives people, um, poor choice of words, apologies, uh, to, to, or makes it easier for people to make those sorts of choices. But uh, it, is, um, it was good to see and, and, and we need to continue to, uh, to invest in both the areas that the City Council control and the areas that the Regional Council control to, to make this 
a more appealing proposition and, and with a growing population like we currently have and will continue to have, I think, for some time to come, uh, that's what we have to do for the sake of our transport network. And interesting to see we've got uh, from this week for the first time an electric bus on trial. You'll be pleased to see that. Yeah, it's amazing how long these things uh, can take sometimes. It's, it's definitely positive to see that, um, that GoBus are, are bringing one of their uh, EV uh, fleets down to sea in a very different environment, obviously, riding through the hill suburbs of Dunedin versus the, the networks that they may usually operate on in the relative flat of uh, also Tahi in Christchurch. But, yeah, good to see that, that kind of thinking um, uh, finally arriving uh, because uh, clearly um, you know, providing for for public transport um, uh, in a way that is um, in a more renewable and sustainable fashion is is clearly the direction that we need to be having uh, the direction that we need to be heading in and and look forward to um, seeing how it fares down here. Indeed. So need me, Aaron Hawkins, really appreciate the time you've taken to join us again here on ORFM's Awesome Morning Show. Go well. We look forward to catching up again in a fortnight. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.